Hi, everyone. This is episode seven of One Question with Pastor Adam. And I am Adam, and I'm pastor to believers and doubters, to unfaithful Christians and faithful atheists. Jesus wasn't afraid of questions, and neither are we. So each week on this podcast, we are going to explore one question that you have sent me over Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We will explore questions that you might be afraid to ask someone else. Some topics include the Bible, heaven, and hell. Who is Jesus, and do you have to be a Christian in order to be saved? So if you have questions, hit me up over on social media. And today, it is New Year's. So uh, happy... New Year's to January 1st. Happy 2020. I am looking forward to some major changes happening in this year. And uh, one of those changes is I'm going to bring on some people that I think are awesome to uh, talk with us about some of these questions. So today I have one of my good friends, co-conspirators in the gospel, Matthew. Yes, yes. Yes, thanks, Adam, for having me. Hey, this is, uh, our, this is our what, like fourth or fifth conversation? <laughs> We've had quite a few of these. Yeah. You are one of my favorite uh, conversation partners and a good friend. Matt is the author of multiple books, including All Set Free, How God is Revealed in Jesus and Why That is Really Good News, From the Blood of Abel, Humanity's Root Causes of Violence, and the Bible's Theological Anthropological Solution, don't let those big words fool you. There are a lot of little words in that book, but it's a fantastic yeah. book. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I it could be it could be a bit much for people, but um, I do my best to make it simple. You do some of the, some of the stuff we talk about is difficult, and yeah, yeah, you know. it's it's good stuff though. So uh, oh. I highly recommend that book. Uh, another one is a journey with two mystics, and Matt also has another fantastic book called Heretic an LGBTQ-affirming, divine violence-denying, Christian universalist response to some evangelical Christianity's most pressing concerns. I think <laughs> that those who are listening to One Question with Pastor Adam would absolutely love this book. Uh, one reviewer said that it is a perfect cocktail of disgusting <laughs> lies. It is, yes, yes. So that was, <laughs> that was, that was the headlining... Um endorsement on the front cover yes i highly recommend that one and matt's latest book is a devotional uh titled devoted uh as af yeah there you go <laughs> that's right it's a devotion uh, it's, it's a devotional it's, it's a it's, devotional it's, yes it's, i've okay. i i'm gonna i've read a few of them uh and they're they're great so 365 devotions uh that just adds up to a year so nicely done perfect Right? Unless it's a leap year, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. So <laughs> anyway, Matt, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to uh, have you on. I wanted to invite Matt on because I have had some really great relationships, friendships with atheists. And I wanted to put that up on my church's sign in some way. And Matt has this really great quote that uh, I put up on the sign that says, kind atheists are closer to Jesus than mean Christians. And I put this up on my church sign and posted it up on our social media. And uh, Matt, you may remember that it caused quite a stir <laughs> and had quite, quite a number of comments on there. And one way to kind of get people upset is to say that atheists aren't so bad. 
So uh, one person says this sign is doing a disservice to this guy's church already can see that he isn't preaching the word. Please correct this preacher. So Matt, I wanted to bring you on to respond to that comment. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what to say. I think is it um, Matthew 25, 31 through 46? I think it's kind of the point of like, it's not what you believe. It's not whose name you do stuff into. It's the 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 separation of the sheep and goats is how you treat other people. So that's kind yeah. of the spirit behind it. So I think it's true. And I think it can elicit quite a conversation about what that means, because we can go a bunch of different routes on, on the spirit behind saying something like that. And yes, it is provocative. And yes, we're trying to tease out ideas and conversation and, and what's going on. But I, I do honestly think that Yes, Jesus was very Jewish, and yes, Jesus cared what you believed in God, but I think the human Jesus, I think, would care more, if he had to choose, would care more on how you treat each other, regardless of uh, of your God concepts. Yeah, this guy, uh, this other person uh, quoted Karl Rahner, and okay. uh, Rahner had this idea of anonymous Christians, with I which I struggle with a little bit, but Michael says that Karl Rahner would define atheists who are kind as anonymous Christians, and that he would define Christians who are mean as anonymous atheists. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I like that too. Yeah, right? So uh, I, I just, I think that there's, there's some truth in this. And um, I often see, uh, you know, Jesus says that he has sheep that are not of this fold. Sure. Right. And so what is it that really matters? As you say, it comes down to like Matthew 25. Um, you know, Jesus also says that the two commandment, two greatest commandments are to love God and love your neighbor. And the way that you love God is by loving your neighbor right, right. <laughs> as yourself. So I, I struggle in loving my neighbor, especially my neighbors who disagree with me on politics and religion and all of sure. that. That's like, that's, that's one of the things that's really difficult, like but it. that's the call that we are to to make. And if Jesus has sheep or followers who are not of this fold, it means that like what Carl Rahner is saying, like there are, there are people outside of Christianity who are, who are following God, whether they call it God or not, and right. living into this way of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Right. Right. I think we've, I think we've missed the boat, especially here in America. And I don't know what it's like other places where we've, we've made it all just about uh, doctrinal statements and, and things of that nature. And doctrine's important, I think, to some degree. Um, but I, I, I think that following a certain type of way in treating others and treating the planet and, and how we engage with our neighbors, our so-called enemies, our family, our friend, whatever, I think that's much more important. And I think if, if Christianity is going to be anything, it has to be a way of treating others. Yes. First, first and foremost. And, and I don't care if you call yourself a, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim. Um, I, you're more Christian if you're following a certain ethic of love toward the other than a Christian who makes signs and protests uh, funerals and gay folks and, and, and things of that nature. I mean, give me and, a break. And, you know, there there is, I do have a lot of sympathy for atheists for rejecting the view of God that they have been often been given <laughs> by the sure. loudest Christians in the room, right? I think sure. that one of the most faith, faithful things that people can be now, in a very real sense, is an atheist. Because if sure. we're going to live 
if we're if Christians are the loudest Christians in the room are going to say that in order to be a Christian, you have to be anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ. You have mm-hmm. to believe that violence <laughs> uh, is the way to solve our problems. Yep. And we're going to support major politicians who are constantly tweeting in anger and hate, even towards 16 year olds who are trying to make the world a better place. If that's what it means to be Christian, I'm going to reject it. And I think that everybody has a right to reject it. And so there is a sense in which I think that a faithful move is towards atheism if that's the kind of God that we're going to believe in. Yeah, and and I think there, there's no like um, you, you don't get to be a an a, a fundamentalist atheist and and have some sort of moral high ground or something. I mean, the <laughs> the, uh, the fundamentalist types of atheists can be fairly annoying, but at the same time, I think we do <laughs> we do need to um, we do need to be atheistic to our God concepts or at least agnostic and and, and be atheistic towards a lot of them because. Um, there is no, uh, you know, certainty really should have no place in faith. And mm. so I, I think there's nothing wrong with being agnostic or, or holding our beliefs loosely, which is, is, I think, can be atheistic of sorts. So we, we do need to reject a lot of our God concepts, especially the ones that are handed to us before we have the ability to reason, you know, when we're children, yes. uh, indoctrinated into, into some sort of um, theological box called dispensationalism or fundamentalism or whatever those things we need to become atheistic towards those and really test out well what is this thing that i believe and why do i believe it and does it cause me to be more loving or does it cause me to be more hateful and fearful of the other and when it when it's when it's the latter atheism (laughs) we need need to be atheistic towards that yes yes no i like that and it reminds me, as you're saying it, it reminds me of Jesus on the cross when he says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Right. There's this moment that a lot of people have said this is Jesus's uh, atheist moment <laughs> sure. where he where he struggles with this concept of God. And it's the only place, I think, in the Gospels where Jesus uses the word God in order mm. to address this thing as opposed to father, this father. like intimate. Right intimate relationship that Jesus has. And so what what is going on there, uh, do you think, in this switch from Father to to God? Is this the death uh, of of the concept of this like God that's been handed down to us? Sure. And and an embrace of the Father? Because Jesus right after that says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Right. I think that's I, I love that interpretation where it's like God, God, why have you forsaken me? Well, that God's going to forsake you. This God concept that doesn't exist, except conceptually, is going to forsake you. The Father is who we relax, you know, as James Allison says, we relax into the arms of of the Father. Um, uh, That's the God that I think Jesus trusts. And I do do think there's, I mean, I, I have a very human view of Jesus. I think he did have doubts. I think he did have moments of cynicism or moments of skepticism. There, there's a chance that, uh, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, well, he was quoting Psalm 22, and that psalm ends with, well, God doesn't forsake you. Yeah, but if Jesus is going to put himself uh, in that position, well, there was a moment of feeling forsaken, even, mm-hmm. when the, the, uh, even the writer writes that, because that's a real, you know, when we write songs, when we write poetry, when we write anything, like, that's a real thing we went through. So, yeah, it ends with, the true God, Father, whatever, does not forsake us. But yeah, there is this moment of feeling forsaken. 
I do love that that it's the God concept that forsakes us. <laughs> you know, it's it's the God concept that God is coming to save us from the horrors of the world. Like right. Christians often use God as kind of a crutch, mm-hmm. a, a way of saying everything is going to be okay, and so we don't have to stare the darkness, the pain, the horrors that we commit against one another in the face and change our ways. Right. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't do that. He goes straight into the darkness and the horrors. And the God that forsakes him is the concept of God that says uh, God's just going to come in and uh, swiftly protect us from all of these horrors, right? <laughs> yeah. God is not a deus ex machina. As, yes. As, as, you know, as unfortunately, I think many people still have that concept of God. Um, yeah. That that concept forsakes us because, yeah. well, it creates a theodicy nightmare, but that's probably a different conversation for another time because there are times when God doesn't uh, come in and swoop or, or ever, but, you know, I, I, people suffer and people die and starvation happens, and then, and then we have to have these vapid platitudes of, well, God's ways are hard in our ways, or we don't know God's plans, and da-da-da-da-da, and it's like, okay. Well, you tell yourself that to make yourself feel better, I guess. But <laughs> um, sometimes it's just that, yeah, that, that God concept forsakes us and we need to reject it. Yeah. So what is the good concept of God that we uh, need to accept? If we reject that concept of God, what's the, what's the alternative? I love First uh, John uh, 4.8. God is love. Uh, and then it's a discussion of what love is. And uh, that the problem with that is that love is experiential and we all know it but we have to use concepts and analogies to talk about it with one another because you've experienced love in a different way than i have and but there's similarities so as but as long as our conversation about god centers on love which i think would be other oriented which would be self-giving which would be power under rather than power over yeah I think that type of love, once we get into that direction, any type of power over is not really love in my understanding. Yeah, it's it's also a power, I think, that's with, Yeah. right? And so yeah. so oftentimes we, like this is the other thing about a, of an atheist view that I think is is solid is this idea that we've all been handed that God is somehow against you. It's like when Mark Driscoll preached a while ago, God hates some of you, mm-hmm. right? God is against some of you. That should be rejected. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, if that's the kind of God that we have, then I'd rather be an atheist. Uh, because God, throughout Jesus, what Jesus shows us, God is with us, uh, not against us. Uh, right. You know, and and so this is like kind of going after the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if you uh, are prosperous, it means that God is with you and you've done really great things. And if things haven't been going right for you, it's because God's against you and you've made a whole bunch of mistakes and you deserve where you're at. Well, right. Jesus goes against that everywhere in the Gospels. Jesus is, right. is against that view of God and says that God is primarily with blessed are the poor because God is with you. Blessed are those right. who struggle because God is with you. Right. I mean, God, we have it before Jesus. We have it in Job. Look at Job. Yes. Poor, poor Job. I mean, you know, but but that's where that that's where that um, sort of binary uh, blessing and cursing God gets us. That's where that concept gets us. It gets us going from uh, showing up as friends to help someone to saying, well, you must have done something wrong to to leveling actual accusations that Job was doing some horrible stuff. And, and so that's where that gets us. 
And I think the point of that story is that we need to reject that God because that God is not that that God concept is not a real thing. And yes. I think that's why we get a reorientation in, in uh, Matthew 5. We get a reorientation of the Deuteronomy 28 God that um, those who are blessed will be, or those who are doing righteous will be blessed, and those who are doing wickedness will have their crops dried up and there's no rain, it's just dust. And, and, and Jesus is like, well, no, God blesses, sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. There's no drying up, there's no dust storms, there's none of that. So Deuteronomy 28 gets reoriented. Because it leads to societal scapegoating. Mm -hmm. When we can look at, oh, if your life's going to hell in a handbasket, we can just say, oh, you must have been doing something horrible because that's how it works. Well, that's a bad God concept that leads to actual problems. So our theology leads to sociological, anthropological, psychological problems that we humans have to face, normally at the expense of another. So that is the, that is the concept that we need to reject. And Matt talks a lot about the concept of God that Christians need to accept in his book, Heretic, uh, an LGBTQ affirming divine violence denying Christian universalist response to some of the evangelical Christianity's most pressing concerns. I love just reading the subtitle of that book, Matt. It's I think that's the fastest, that's the fastest I've ever heard anyone read it. Yes. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I would, I would do it again, but it's, it's long and fantastic and I love it. So everybody go out and get that book. I forgot to mention earlier that Matt is also one of the co-hosts of the Heretic Happy Hour, which is a fantastic podcast. Uh, so go check that out and uh, leave a review. And also, Matt is blogging at All Set Free. So go check out his work over there, too. So, uh, Matt, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off on this first day of 2020? No, just thanks for having me, and I hope you have a. I hope you had a great Christmas, and I hope you have a wonderful New Year's, and all of your listeners have a great New Year's as well. Uh, but, awesome, uh, yeah. Thank you, Matt, for being here, yeah. and uh, go check me. out Matt, Matt's work. And that is it for today, friends. Thank you for having the courage to ask questions and for listening. If you have questions, hit me up over on social media, and go hit Matt up over on social media too, on the Twitter and the Facebook and. No, that's yeah. yeah, right. Unless you're, unless you're a troll. <laughs> unless you are a troll, yes. If you want more content, check me out over at ravenfoundation.org where we explore life, faith, and mimetic theory. And hey, always remember, your faith and your doubts are holy. So join me next time as we continue to explore your questions. <laughs>